welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 220, the 2019 Unicoi Turkey Callmakers Interviews and Recap. And I am your host, and as I mentioned, I'm the guy that's back from Unicoi, a little more broke than I was before going. We are 59, so here's the deal. We are 59 days, 0 hours, 16 minutes and 25 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. We have now cracked the 60-day mark. It is countdown time, big time countdown time. So as I mentioned, I went to Unicoi this past week and my wife and I actually went up there together, stayed in a hotel in Helen, Georgia, and I spent the the better part of the day Friday and Saturday at the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show. And so now I have to admit, when I saw pictures of the room that the Turkey Callmaker Show is in, I thought to myself, okay, two days is going to be too much time for me to spend at the show. So I can spend a day at the show, get some interviews, and then maybe take my bride and go hiking one day. Well, I was wrong in that plan because the first day of the show, because the first day of the show, I only made it to about 15 booths. I got in there, I got into the showroom and started running my mouth and just did not make it far at all like I thought I would be able to. But I'm not complaining about that because it was all good conversation. It was all about turkey hunting and turkey calls. And so I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I guess fortunately for me, it rained Friday night and Saturday, pretty much the entire day on Saturday. So Saturday, instead of going hiking with my wife, I went back to the show and spent the entire day in there Saturday as well, running my mouth, talking about turkey calls, and talking about turkey hunting. I was also fortunate in that I got to meet several of you guys who listen to the show, and I really appreciate you contacting me to let me know that you're going to be there and taking the effort and the time to try to find me as well. I really do get a kick out of meeting you guys and getting to hear your stories and meet your families and that kind of stuff. It's been a lot of fun for me. So I ended up, and at the show, I ended up buying 
only two turkey calls, but I also bought a handcrafted crow call and I also bought a book. So we're going to talk a little bit about that book that I bought in just a few minutes. But, you know, overall, I had a wonderful time at the show. There were two seminars. There was one Friday and one Saturday. And unfortunately, I missed both of those interviews. But I did make the but I did make the roundtable discussion about pot calls Friday evening. And that was awesome. So from start to finish, from top to bottom, Russell Beard and Mark Sharp have done a great job bringing back the Unicoi Callmakers, bringing back the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show. And I will definitely be back next year. For you guys who are like me and you have a fancy for unique and beautiful turkey collars, then the collars at this show made by these custom call makers is, they are amazing. So while I was at the show, now while I was at the show, I was able to conduct several interviews and I want to play those interviews for you guys today. The first interview that I have for you is with Mike Giles. And Mike is really kind of a jack of all trades. He's on the Bass Pro Shops Pro Staff. He is an author, he is a speaker, and he's a turkey hunter too. And so I'm going to play Mike's interview first. So I'm going to play my interview with Mike first. And Mike has brought something back that many of us will be interested in that many of us will be interested in getting our hands on. So here's Mike to tell us more about that. Hey everybody, I am here at the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show with Mike Giles. And Mike is bringing back something I think we're all going to be interested in. I'm going to let Mike tell us about it. So Mike, how are you this morning? Uh, hey, how are you? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Good. Tell us what you got going on. Okay, we're talking about the old pro turkey hunter. It was like a classic turkey hunting book released by Mr. Gene Nunnery in 1980. Yep. And a lot of people, a lot of turkey hunters everywhere I go would tell me, you know, I've read that book multiple times. It's the only book I've read, actually, two or three times. Yep. And in the springtime, people get it back out and like to read it. Mr. Gene Nunnery was a local businessman, entrepreneur, craftsman. He was just a great businessman and outdoors, avid outdoors person. Mm -hmm. And after a lifetime of hunting turkeys, and he hunted turkeys when there were few turkeys and fewer turkey hunters. Right. At a time, he killed his first turkey in 1929. He was tutored by some old pros who learned in the 1800s and the early 1900s. They taught him how to do it the right way. Now, this is not a how-to, where-to book. Right. This book tells you stories from his perspective of the East Mississippi, West Alabama area, mm -hmm. and of the old pros, Gabe Meta, Tony McClebb, people that have become legends and in, in the people that have read that book. They hunted turkeys probably year-round when there wasn't any seasons back then. Yeah. And they didn't just yeah. go to kill, but it was just they had to hunt to find a turkey. But if you read this book, what you're going to do is you're going to learn some things by reading the stories. And a lot of it is kind of, you know, there's some comical sides to it, but I can tell you it's just a, a great turkey book. Now, while we're releasing it, a friend of mine called me about two years ago. I want to know what I helped 
bring back the old pro turkey hunter. Mm-hmm. Mr. Nunnery has two surviving daughters, and they wanted to bring back their, just further their dad's legacy. Right, yeah. These books sell up to $300 if they're in mint condition and signed. And, you know, the cheapest you could get them was like $80 to $100, just a regular copy. And that's beyond a lot of people's reach as far as guys. Yeah. They don't want to spend $80 on a book. Yeah. Well, I said, I'll help you. I don't believe nobody's going to print it. Lo and behold, University Press out of Jackson, Mississippi said, yes, we want to. They had some people review it, both a turkey hunter and a non-turkey hunter, but an outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. And they strongly advised them to reprint that book. So we worked on it. We've revised it as far as the cover. We've got a new cover with one of my turkey pictures on the cover. I've done a new forward. And that forward just tells people why that book's relevant today. Yeah, It tells when Mr. Nunnery lived, killed his first turkey in 1929 at the age of 13. He hunted 53 years before he wrote this book. Mm-hmm. He hunted in a time, as I said, wasn't many turkeys. Women didn't hunt. If one did, it was a rare occasion. But in his time, he didn't even, upon his death even, you know, wasn't many women turkey hunters. Yeah. And he had children. He loved his children. They were all girls. He did everything with them. But those girls didn't hunt in the woods. But they loved their dad. He loved them. So you you bring it back to today. He trained a lot of young men to become turkey hunters and those guys grew up and had girls and oh, now really? there's a lot of them that are hunting turkeys yeah. as a result of what mr nunnery did yeah Rianne chatham in meridian mississippi is a young lady that just graduated last year from high school she's now at meridian community college she's a very talented turkey hunter she's killed many turkeys i reference in my forward Brenda Valentine, mm-hmm. who is a nationally known lady, she's just an avid outdoorsman, great person. Great person, yeah. Tess Randall Jolly, she's yeah. from Tuskegee, Alabama area. She's Another one of the foremost photographer, photo, you know, wildlife photographers, and you know, turkey, probably the turkey photographer. She's a friend of mine. I referenced her, and of course, Rianne. So the whole thing is, if you want to enjoy some down-home storytelling. And it ain't all about just killing turkeys. He tells and paints a picture about what happened when he went with some of these men. Yeah. And it's just a great, great read. You can't turkey hunt but two months out of the year most of the places. Mm -hmm. And so this is something you can read and see how it ought to be done and how other people did it, the forerunners of our sport. Yeah. Well, me personally, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of the book, buying a copy of the book from you because... I've never read it, and I can't tell you how many people that I have that listen to my podcast that when I ask a question of what's your favorite book or what books do you recommend or anything like that, and even a lot of the big-name turkey hunters that I get on the show, one of the questions that, that I've asked in the past is what's your favorite turkey hunting book? And I can't tell you how many of them have said the old pro turkey hunter. Right, right. And so, you know, I, I'm excited to see the book come back, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on a copy and staying up late for me, 10, 15, <laughs> a lot of nights reading Wonderful. before season comes in. So, Mike, the million-dollar question is, I know how I can get my hands on a copy of, of the old pro turkey hunter because all I've got to do is pay you a little cash and walk out of the door with it, but... For those people who are not here at Unicoi and maybe, I don't know if you're planning on going to the NWTF convention in Nashville or not, but if you're not, how can the listeners get their hands on one of the copies of this book? 
It's just as simple as calling my number or texting me. That's Mike Giles. It's 601-917-3898. You can also email me, MikeGiles18 at Comcast.net. It will also be available in some bookstores. I can't tell you where, but if you want a signed copy, contact me. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. All right. Not only has Mike brought back a turkey hunting classic, but he also has his own book that many of you guys may be interested in reading. So here is Mike again to tell us a little more about his book, Passion of the Wild. Hey guys, I am here at the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show at the Unicoi State Park in North Georgia, and I'm here with author Mike Giles. And Mike, tell us a little bit about your book that you've got out here that you wrote. When did you write that book? Well, Passion of the Wild, my first book, was written in 2013. Okay. I had a first printing then. I had a second printing in 2015. And now in late 2018, I've got my third printing. And it's actually an outdoor story. It's an inspirational outdoor story about people overcoming obstacles in the outdoors. And the reason I wrote it, I've helped with a lot of wheeling sportsman events, NWTF, mm-hmm disabled sportsmen, you name it, the names change, but what if anybody's helping kids, I've helped with them. And some of those guys, they've had accidents that's changed their lives. They're born with some things that, that, you know, makes it hard for them to do. And I would be around some of those hunts and see how much they appreciated it and just how, to me, they were an inspiration. I would ask some of them, I said, now, Dusty, I said, tell me, what would you tell somebody else that's got a disability? And he said, well, you know, it's not a disability to me. I was born this way. I don't know anything else. And so I just have a good time. So what an attitude. Right. You know, we think we've got it bad sometimes, and a lot of us go through bad times. But these guys, some of them were born blind. Kane and Gilly, a blind boy, killed a deer. He did everything but look down through the scope. His dad stood behind him and held his hands on his shoulders, whispered how to aim, and then he would gently nudge him on the shoulder and whisper when it was time to shoot. Yeah. Now, if a blind boy can kill a deer with a little help, what can we accomplish? You're right. There's nothing we can't yeah. accomplish. Nobody's an island. So that's the idea about the book. Tell people about people that was inspirational, has overcome obstacles. I've got a, I met a 67-year-old lady in Jackson, Mississippi, at the Mississippi Wildlife Federation Outdoor Show, Mimi Rose Blakeney. 67 years old, come in second place in the big buck bounty. Wow. She started hunting at a time most men had quit. The reason she started hunting, her granddaughter killed a, a doe. She said, I think I can do that. They didn't have deer when she was growing up. Right. She was around yeah. squirrels, and, and she yeah. always went to the deer camps with her family as an adult. So she goes hunting and kills this doe. Two weeks later, kills a monster buck. Well, now, Ms. Rose Blakeney hunted for another, the next 10 years, she killed a limit of bucks each year, like three bucks. I'm talking about trophy right, bucks. Right, no spots. So she said, if I can do it, anybody can. And, you know, I tell the story. I let her tell her story, and then I have imagined the possibilities. And I said, you know, I quoted C.S. Lewis, and it was something like you're never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. Mm-hmm. And that's what the book's about, you know. Don't limit yourself. Don't put limits on whoever you are. You're never too young or old to do something. Right. And some of them, you know, I, it's not all about people that's been hurt. 
but some of them it is. It's some traumatic things that have happened. Some of them never hunted a fish until they had an accident. Yeah. And it changed their lives. Wheeling sportsman or the NWT, just, you know, you're sitting there at home and you can't do nothing. Yeah. And one of the guys met somebody in the mall and he went hunting and fishing for the first time. Changed his life. So Kirk Thomas from Meridian, Mississippi, was working in Alabama a number of years ago. Kirk was like 6'4", about 280, big, bad football player. About my size. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Kirk was a madman when he got on the football field, and he's the avid sportsman. He's out there on a logging crew, and a tree falls over him, paralyzes him from waist down. He wanted to die. He went through all the emotions people go through when they've had an accident. Mm -hmm. One day, his buddies figured out he was going to live. They jerked him up, put him in a vehicle, and carried him to a power line and turned crossways on that power line, and he shot his first deer in a truck. And he had a vision of helping people all around this country. So part of this book is telling things about Kirk. Kirk's accident was not good for him, but as a result, Cain and Gilly learned how to hunt. Canaan just wanted to be a part of everything. They have helped people, whether you've got a broken, you know, one leg or you're in a wheelchair or, you know, you've got some kind of disability. Hey, they welcome everybody. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do. So that's what the book's about. And it might be simple as I went fishing one time back in the days when I was a teenager. I had one rod and reel with me. wanted to catch striped bass. Mm -hmm. Well, I got there and my spinning reel broke. The anti-reverse was messed up. I had two choices, drive, you know, 45 minutes back home and come another day or try it. I had never been able to catch a big striped bass at Ross Barnett Spillway because they either straightened my hook, broke the line. Those were in the days before braid. Yeah. Long story short, I went ahead and went fishing, and I caught a 13-and-a-half-pound striped bass that day, and I was back reeling. I'd never heard of the technique, yeah. but when that big fish hit, all I, I had to go back yeah. on that. Yeah, you just knew what to do. That's right. And when he stopped, I really cranked hard on him, and I found out I had a lot of power. I yeah. couldn't catch him using a drag, but I could without the use of a drag. I've lost very few big fish since then and won a lot of tournaments in the process, yeah. partly because of that technique I learned on a day that I was looking for a different way to overcome that problem that obstacle that might not have been a big obstacle to some people but i'd rather fish than eat and to me going home wasn't much of an option yeah yeah (laughs) that's the gist of it and people have loved it everywhere and a lot of good things have come as a result of the book yeah and if you're looking for the book www.passionofthewild.com you can call me at 601-917-3898 or you can email me mike giles 18 at comcast.net we'd love to talk to you i do a lot of wild game dinners speaking engagements if you've got a good story to tell me let me know because i write in newspapers magazines yeah do some radio and i want to tell you a story yeah well i know you've been doing quite a few interviews and taking a lot of pictures about the show up here and you even did an article about the show before it little preview that's right and so i know that that's been a big help and i know that mark and russell appreciate that and you know i appreciate what you're doing and and the book as well because i'm like you thank god we haven't gone through something like that but you know for those who have is not the end and there is still life afterwards and they can 
get out and do things. Absolutely. It's not as easy, but they can still get it done. And so, you know, I think it's important for us as outdoors people to remember that and to invite those people to join us because it's just like taking a kid out to get that kid his first turkey or his first bass or his first brim or first anything. You know, for us to be able to take somebody out with a disability and get that person back out in the outdoors, whether they catch a fish or kill a deer or kill a turkey or not, if, if, if we're reintroducing them to it and they're learning how to do this all over again, uh, that's it's satisfying. That's it right. Really is. That's right. And so appreciate that. And if we want to get an autograph on that book that we buy, we just need to call you first, or can we still get that done through the website? You can get it through the website because it's coming to me. It's sending an email to me, okay. and I will personalize it for you. Ever right. how you want it. Good deal. Good deal. Well, thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity and look forward to talking more about it. Sounds great. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. All right. I hope that any of you who are interested in reading a book about turkey hunting or the outdoors will pick up one, if not both, of Mike's books. Check them out. After you get through reading them, let me know what you think. Send me an email, andy at imturkeyhunting.com. Okay, I got to tell you that while I was at the show, I picked up this strange looking box call and played it quite terribly, I might add. I mean, it was, it was bad. After making some sort of a sound that I was afraid was the mating call of a chupacabra, I quickly put the call down and just disappeared into the crowd as fast as I could. The box was more tall and narrow than most box calls that I'd seen before, and the lid had no spring around the screw to push the lid up off of the box and give it some stabilization. The other thing that I noticed about the call is that the lid has much more curvature to it. It is much more convex than the traditional style box calls. And there were even a few of these contraptions that had a handle on the box that made them look even more odd as well. So I knew that there had to be something to this call or the guys that make them wouldn't be making them. Well, it wasn't until Mark Sharp came up to me during the show and said that he wanted me to interview some of the guys that make the Turpin-style box calls that I finally got to find out what that odd-looking box was, what makes it different, and how to run one, which, again, is not as easy as just sliding a lid across the walls of a typical box call. In fact, I still don't know how to run one, but I now know that I want to be able to proficiently run one of those box calls. And you'll hear why when some of the guys that I've interviewed about the Turpin style box call run their calls for you. So my first interview is with Dan Harris. And here's Dan with Dan's custom calls to actually talk about the differences in the cost style boxes and the Turpin style boxes, and to run both of those calls for us. Listen in, and I'll see you in a few. Hey everybody, I am here at the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show in North Georgia with Dan Harris with Dan's Custom Calls, and we're looking at a couple of his beautiful box calls that he makes, and I'm gonna let Dan tell us a little bit about these calls and what makes them unique. Dan, how are you today? I'm good, Andy, and I sure do thank you and appreciate this opportunity today. Uh, yeah. 
I, first of all, to make turkey calls, you got to have the love for the, you know, hunting the wild turkey, which is a, it's a passion and almost a disease sometimes. But, of course, that's what I started out in middle life. I was 35 years old before I started hunting turkeys, and just, I love it. And then after I retired, I had been collecting calls from folks, and I said I want to see if I could do it myself. And... I started out and made my first call August of 2013, and wow. uh, and uh, had some folks, some major call makers, told me said you you've come along as fast as anybody I've ever seen, and that would have to be just my love of doing it. Yeah, I, I love to make these turkey calls, and I've always been a driven type guy. I worked in production for 43 years. My goal is every day to make a call better than I made yesterday because you're always hunting that perfect creative sound that'll bring a gobbler in every time I haven't got there yet but that's my goal (laughs) it's never ending never ending I mean it's I started out in August 2013 making a a cost style call that was made famous by Mr. Neil cost and Mr. Bob Harwell from Columbia, South Carolina was my mentor. Okay. And he I went to his shop. I was lucky enough to last year I worked in two thousand twelve to go to Columbia on on business and I would go to Mr. Harwell's shop at night and we'd talk about it and woods, a different type of woods and so I learned a lot from him and then I went I retired in two thousand like I say in thirteen I tried it and the first time I got a reasonable sound I was very surprised but and so I've made the cost down now for five years and have loved every minute of it this past year I started making the turpin style what they right. call a turpin a hen box which has a different unique sound from the cost style turpin style has got the more deeper raspier sound in the more I fool with the turpins, the more I fell in love with that style yeah. box. And I just, I say, I do it because I love it. It's a, now turned into a major hobby. I've been to this Unicoi show every year. This is our fourth year now. Okay. I'm going to have a booth this year for the first time ever in the NWT. TF in Nashville. Great. That'll be a total different experience for for a country boy. So, but anyway, I just love doing it. And the best thing about turkey hunting and the call making business is I have met so many good people and made some of the best friends in my life through turkey hunting and call making. So that's probably been the biggest reward of it all. And, And of course, we all live just about to hear that first gobble every spring and it's just a, it's just the love of the sport and like I say I love making these calls and hope to do it for some time yeah on so yeah well I know the the turpin style call is yeah I can't say making a comeback because it's been popular but it there's a distinct difference between the call style boxes and the turpin style boxes and you know in the appearance and the sound of them can you play 
one of each of those and and maybe the listeners can pick up on some of the differences sure uh, this will be the cost style box that i first started out making like i say made famous by mr neil cost and this is a walnut with a purple heart lid cluck that's the yelp of the turkey now the carpet turns over really easily and, and quickly does. too doesn't it it does and they uh, be honest we a cost out plays a little easier uh, so it's got a spring under the lid it's made different and then a turpin style doesn't have a spring under the lid the lid has a lot of i call it slop in it right or you know looseness and you got to learn to control the lid more on a turpin style box of call but the reward when you do it's not a call you can just pick up and stroke and it's automate so oh, uh, i'm proof of that and uh, <laughs> but i really like the rich rasp of the old hen that it puts out in the cluck and this is a cluck and the yep so that's a total different sound but they're both kill turkeys with both sounds and but you know we we like something different you know and yeah. sometimes a turkey does too you can call to them and they'll hang up with one sound you'll change and and he'll come right on so that's yeah. that's what makes it so it's a challenge and it's a when you turkey hunting you know you got to think a little bit and you got to try to outwit the old gobbler so that's what makes it so so wonderful for yeah. me yeah no doubt and but i love making these calls it's a, yeah well they're they're beautiful calls and you you do great work and i think that's obvious from the success that you've had in in a short period of time relatively speaking right. you know, five years or six years into call making and making a name for yourself like you have says a lot so walk me through on that turpin style call just and i know with this with without this being a video it's going to be hard to kind of hard to explain to everybody without being able to show them how to work the lid on that but since mm -hmm. that lid doesn't have a spring underneath it mm -hmm. on the screw it does have a lot of, of play in it a lot of slop or yes, looseness as you said so what is the key difference in how you're working that lid holding that lid compared to a call style or even a, a lynch style call right. well the call style like i say has a spring under it and it's pretty much a level stroke across the you know, lip of the box where a call style has no spring you got to learn to cant the lid inward a little bit most people do turn it in and sort of learn to pull a tension on that lid a little bit against that screw where you can control that lid mm -hmm. you don't have no spring there and the turpin style is a narrower lid and it's got a more radical curvature on it curvature under it so it it will naturally wobble a little more on you if you don't control it so right and that's one of the and it's a thicker lid and it's generally made out of a different type wood most of the turpin lids are made out of a harder denser wood which helps you create that more rasp and deeper sound so you have to learn to cant that lid in to whatever works for you hold that 
tension. You don't really realize you're doing it, but after you learn, you're holding a little tension against that screw to control that stroke to make it smooth and, and uh, it's just totally different. And I'll be honest, two or three years ago, I used to look at these turpin style calls like a calf at a new gate and I couldn't play them. And I said, man, that's me today. <laughs> so, but after I learned to play them a little bit and got into making them this past year, I, I really fell in love with a turpin style hen box style. So it's a, like I say, and it's all about the passion. It's just a passion for me that, like I say, I want to make the next box I make better than the last one. Yeah. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it shows. It shows the the quality and the beauty in these boxes is amazing, and, and the sound is unreal. I mean, it, they they're great sounding calls, and, and Thank I know you, you Andy, know that. Thank you, I really appreciate that, and I'm very humbled by it. So. Yeah, it's good deal. Well, Dan, thank you. I appreciate the education on the differences in those two calls, and I won't give up on that Turpin style call. I'll keep don't, trying it and trying do, it. If I can do it, anybody can I, do it. Don't say that, <laughs> <laughs> because that is not true. <laughs> you you can do it, and I can watch you. How about okay. how about that? Well, good deal. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you taking time away from the booth and coming and talking to us. And so if somebody's interested in, in contacting you about one of the calls or buying one from you, how can they get in touch with you to, to start okay, that process? I'll say I'm Daniel Harris from Texarkana, Texas. My cell phone number is uh, 903-278-6244. If you got time, I'll give my email this long. Absolutely. It's uh, yeah. Dan, D-A-N-A-N-D, Linda, L-I-N-D-A, two zero zero three at cable one dot net and uh, I don't have a website I'm still a country boy with a hobby so uh, so I'm not but anyway that's how you can get it and I thank you for this opportunity Andy and thank all y'all listeners very much thank you again good luck to you the rest of the show I hope you sell every call you brought <laughs> thank you Andy all right Check out Dan's calls when you guys have a minute or 15, and you'll see some really high-quality calls that sound as good as they look. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say this before I forget to. All of the call makers at this show produce really high-quality, beautiful-looking, and amazing-sounding turkey calls. The craftsmanship, the quality, the time, and the pride that these guys at this show put into their musical instruments is extremely obvious the very first time you pick one up. In fact, I'm going to start calling the turkey calls at this show musical instruments because really, that is what they are. They are handcrafted musical instruments. So when you hear me say that Dan Harris makes a very high-quality, great-sounding call and that it's beautiful on top of that... All of these guys do. Okay, so while I'm at the show, I try to be careful about pulling these instrument makers away from their booths for too long of a period of time because if they are outside the show talking to me, then they're not inside the show selling the instruments that they went there to sell. So I finished up with Dan, but I wanted more info on these Turpin style calls and to see and hear more of them as well. So I grabbed Russell Beard with Beard Hunters 
custom calls and dragged him out of the showroom to chat with me a little bit more. So here's Russell and I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody, I am here still at the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show at the Unicoi State Park in North Georgia. And this is a great setting and a great show. And I've got with me Russell Beard with Beard Hunters Custom Calls. And I've tricked Russell into coming over here and sitting down and chatting with me for a little bit. Russell and Mark Sharp are two of the people responsible for bringing back the Unicoi Turkey Callmaker Show. And this is my first year here at the show. And I, Russell, I'm just going to tell you, I thoroughly have enjoyed it. Obviously, I'm eat up with turkey hunting just like you and everybody that's in that room. And so for me, this has just been a great experience and, and getting to know people like you and getting to know Mark better and a lot of these call makers. And, you know, I, I've just, the workmanship, the pride that you guys take in your call and what you do is very noticeable and it's appreciated on, at least, at least for me, I can tell you, I appreciate it because I couldn't do what you do, even with the tools and all that other stuff. And so I've enjoyed the show thoroughly. I've enjoyed getting to know you guys and I've enjoyed seeing the products and this has just been a blast for me. So thank you guys for doing this. Well, Andy, we'll say thank you for coming. And uh, I wish I could shake hands with everybody that comes to the show. But you know, this is a blast for me. And most of us guys here that puts it, you know, that comes in as a vendor. Yeah. We do this cause we've got the heart for it. I love what I do. And I used to do a good many, used to do a lot of trade shows. And and it got where I was, when I come home off a trade show, I had to, had to go to work yeah. to, to get what I wanted built for the next show. But and then, and we've done that and done very well at them. But then I kind of slowed down, I've retired now. So I used to do the custom style boxes, but now all I do now is turpin style box calls. Yeah. And I really had a blast at building them. It's a whole different animal of building a call. Completely different and everything what I learned from building from the call style, I have took some of it and put it over on the turpin style, but it has turned out and been, this is the first weekend that I've had my calls out and I've done very well this weekend with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're beautiful calls, and they really are a work of art. What motivated you to switch from the call style over towards the turpin style? Well, I can say I've been doing this since 2003, and then I started off on the call style. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with them. But as I progressed and got better in making calls, it got where... I had my sound, series of sounds, and when I built a call the way I, and every call maker's got his own little series of right. their, their sound. Yeah. And then you go to the shows, everybody had the call style. Very few you ever saw had turpin style. Right. But uh, call style, like I say, it's a, it's a very good box, but I had built a turpin style in 2006 and I gave it to Mark Sharp, which me and him puts the show on. I had gave it to him. He said, man, I really like it. It's completely different sound-wise. Yeah. In 2009, I built four more. I handed them out. You hadn't and kept one yet. I hadn't kept one yet. <laughs> but now, and like I say, I gave two away today. One of them's to a kid. Yeah. So, well, I say, I, not a bot, but I gave him, I gave out 
three scratch boxes, and I gave them to kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and there's a little, their daddy bought a box, and on one of them, and he was looking, and I'd say, here, son, you can have this. And yeah. he was tickled to death. Oh, I bet. Which he ain't going to be able to play with two years old. But once he figures out, he can drive his mom and daddy crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I got into that, and then I get going to where I go, I see the call style, call style. And then Mark's a turpin style man. He likes turpin. And he had one up there in the room last year at Nashville, and I was playing. I said, boy, I like that. He said, well, you've been building them. You, I don't know why you don't build them. <laughs> I said, <clears throat> and be honest with you, I have lost kind of the heart of doing the call style. I had done so many. I've done over a, probably a thousand long boxes. It's just gotten to be routine for it's you. Got, you do it it's in your got sleep, to be huh? routine. I go in, it was no challenge. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying they was all the best right, thing out right, there, but yeah. they all had turkey in them. Oh, yeah. So I said this year I'm going to build turpin, and that's all I'm going to build. So I've never built nothing this year except them turpin boxes. Yeah. And uh, had a ball. I had to change jigs around. Sure. And anyway, it went there, and I, and I come up and got lucky. On my very first box, it turned out very good. And I said, well, why change anything? And so I kept that first box, and it's there at my shop now. It ain't got no finish on it, but every now and then I have to rely on something and look at it. Yeah. And I looked, and I said, well, that's what my problem is, and I'll change it to what that box is there at the house. And everything's turned out to be good. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've got lucky with it. That's interesting. And so, did you have a turpin style box that you used as kind of a, a prototype to build yours? What, I mean, what were you, how did you build that first box without, well, I mean? Well, I mean, you know, a turpin's got straight sides. Yep. I didn't have one. I had a hen box that I had got from Richard Hudson. Very mm -hmm. good hen box. Yep. But I wasn't building a hen box at that time, which it, Turpins, that's all in the Turpin family. And I wasn't going to build a hen box like Richard's. I just wanted to build just a little small Turpin style. And I built enough boxes to know what it takes to make one play. Right. So I'm looking at, you've also, when you do this stuff, you've got to look at the wood, what you got. And, and also my, the Turpin's a little bit higher than mine is. And, thing and I didn't have a lot of wood so I just went and bought me some more wood mm -hmm. <laughs> more money to spend that's what we uh, sell cars exactly. calls for is, yeah. is to uh, buy more wood but anyway we got I got through it and I finally just come up with a size and, and I'm gonna say mine's not exactly like a turpin but it's on the turpin style right right so Anyway, and, and, and that's fine. I mean, I don't have a spring on the lid. I've got a thick lid. I don't have the spring under it like the call style. The call yep. style runs a little bit thinner lid. And my boxes, they run anywhere from two and a quarter up to three and a quarter mm -hmm. of sizes. i got three different sizes of them. But I don't know. It's just turned. I got lucky, to be honest. And, and I said, well... I'm just going to leave what I got. I'm not going to add to this, and I'm not going to take away. I'm going to build this. And then I went later on, I started putting a handle on them, and I turned it. My box is a solid box with a handle right. that I turn on the lay. And I've had several people say, how do you do that? I said, you get out of the way when you turn your lay on. 
because I've had a couple to fly out. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you, you learn not to turn your lay on wide open. You, mm-hmm. you, you build up the speed, and then it, they're a little bit different animal to build, but it's like anything else. You do something, you got to be careful with it. And, uh, right. Because I did get my finger hung in one of them back this summer, and it really did hurt. I bet. So, I bet. So the handle on that call, and I know you guys listening can't see this, but I'm staring at one of Russell's calls right now that, that has a handle on it. The handle on that call, the people that I've seen playing those the, the turpin-style calls that had the handle on them are not holding them by the handle. They're holding them by the body. Is the handle for looks or is the handle for being practical? That's my question. Well... <laughs> That's a very good question because when I play mine left-handed, I'm a left-handed person. Okay. And when I play the call left-handed, I hold the body. All right. When I play it on the right side, I'm talking about playing on the left side of side, the call. Right. Yeah. I hold the body of the call. Yep. When I play it on the right side, I hold the handle side. And I do everything left-handed. I've been left-handed all my life. I can't change it, and I'm glad I am left-handed. Anyway, I'll just say this. I had to learn myself to play a fiddle. I play a fiddle a little bit. Not a real fiddle player. I just play around with one. Yeah. I, play it, I play it like a right-handed fiddle player. So. Okay. But anyway, we'll get out of this. We're in turkey calls right now. <laughs> but you can teach yourself to do anything if you really want to. Want it. Right, yeah. So, but I do use the handle. And one thing that handle's good for, I put a chalk box in mine. Okay. And uh, it keeps the lid off the box. And then I've got a lanyard that slides over the handle and goes under to the, slides over the handle of the, the, the top of the, the handle. Yeah, the lid. Yeah. yeah. And then I run the other, run that loop down there and pull it tight, but that keeps it tight from rattling. Yeah. When I'm you going through the woods or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I see a lot of people that does not use the handle but when you got that handle on it you've added more wood to that call and it does have a slight slight change in that call than just a regular box call without the handle yeah just a little bit and i mean you got to have a good ear for it yeah but i, I hear it in the rasp parts where i hear the difference okay all right well can you run that call right there a few times for well I know, I know you said you were going to get stage fright if I asked you yeah, to run the call, but I'll get stage I'm not looking. <laughs> but I, you see where I'm holding them playing the right side. Yeah. That's the right side, and here's the left side. That's here where I'm holding the body now. Yeah. I, you you got me under pressure now. That's a good thing a turkey ain't walked up. But uh, like I say, I, I use the handle when I play it on the right side. But I, you're right when I, everybody play, holds the body of the call to play it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting because you know. And I should have brought I should have brought one of my other ones without the handle, and you can tell a little bit of difference in the sound. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, which we too far away from my table right now. We had it's real loud in there, but yeah, it's a little bit loud in there, no doubt. So well, these are 
these are beautiful calls and i mean they're they're really interesting for you guys i, I know the majority of people listening they're just getting a production style call they're getting a duplicate of a lynch style call or you know there's not i know you might slap me when i say this there's not a huge difference in the lynch and the cost at least the the style of that call i know there's differences in the body and and so on and so forth but they're more compact calls to me than the turpin style and the turpin style is a, a much taller more narrow call than than either of those two styles and so you know they're they really are a very interesting looking call they've got a a real deep sound chamber on them and and you can definitely tell the difference yeah. in the calls you know between this and a, and a call style well from here to the top of that lid is three and a half inches yeah and the call style will be right a hair under two inches mm -hmm. so there's a good bit of difference there but I, old boy asked me so why do you have such it being so tall and which i said well kind of kind of the old school style i said but now when you miss that turkey and he comes running by you and take that box throw it at him and you hit him knock him out maybe that'd be the way to kill him the boomerang call boomerang, that's yeah. right that's right well russell tell everybody listening if how to get in touch with you how to look at some of your calls you have a facebook page or whatever else and if somebody wants to buy one how can they find you well you can get on facebook the uh, facebook it'd be under russell beer and let's uh, go to messenger and send me a message okay. and I'll, I'll reply back to you uh, sometimes i'm on I'm, i you've heard people with a drinking problem i have a fishing problem so sometimes i'm on the lake but then again i've got a turkey hunting problem too uh-huh uh-huh so if you leave me a message, I will get back with you sometime that day. That's fair enough. I mean, I, and, you know, but, for and, somebody with a fishing and a turkey hunting problem to get same-day return calls, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, trust me, I'm not going to pick the phone up if I got one on the hook. You know? <laughs> and uh, you may have to leave a message, but uh, I love fishing. I love hunting. I love the outdoors. I mean, it's yeah. just... It's just, I don't know. I wish everybody was in the outdoors. But then again, if everybody fished and was in the outdoors, there'd be less stuff for me to get. It, it wouldn't <laughs> be the same. We no. wouldn't enjoy it as much. But I think everybody that's in the outdoors are very good people. Yeah. But like I say, I, I, I love what God's created for us, and I take advantage of it if I can. I try to get out there every, every moment I can. Yeah. Good deal. That's why it's there. That's why he put it there. But also, you can get in contact me with my cell phone number, and it's 678-614-8859. And if I don't answer, just leave a message there. All right. Very good. Russell, I really appreciate it, and thank you again for getting this show back together. I'll be back next year. It's been a blast. I've well, just had, a, had the best time. Have you. Me and Bart talk every day. He goes to work, and he calls me when he leaves his house. And I get up every morning early anyway, and we talk every day for 30 minutes. That's how long it takes him to go to work. And 90% of the conversation between starting Monday till this time next year, 90% of our conversation, Unicoi will be mentioned. I bet. We talk, you would not believe what we cipher on trying to get this 
thing, and, and some of the stuff we've done didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. Sure. Yeah. But it's a learning experience. That's right. And uh, we tweak here and we tweak there, and we had to make some rules. And and the reason we had to make some rules is that some people didn't like, we didn't like what they was doing, but they thought it was okay, so we had to make our own rules up. And, and right. they agree with it, and they don't have no problem. So we got a good, good group of people that showed up here. You really do. Right. You really do. And, and it, I mean, we are blessed to have people like we got on this for vendors and also the customers and, and people coming in. It's unreal what kind of quality people that we have coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, having been to Nashville and comparing Nashville with this, and we're comparing two different creatures, mm -hmm. but I like this show a lot because it's smaller and I think that the vendors that you have here are here to do more than just sell a call. They're here, they wanna, they wanna meet us, they wanna talk to us. You can tell they've got an interest in right. what is it that you're doing, what is it that you want, you know, and, and yeah. so on and so forth. And, and it's, I've made some, some new friends here over the weekend and, and I'm, I'm excited about next year. I don't want to wish myself a year older, and that would put us through a whole turkey season, and I don't want to skip that either. Yeah. But next year, I'll be here, and it'll be a good time again, I know. Andy, we'd love to have you to come, and people like you, and everybody that showed up here, we've asked for help from people. We got in a bind last year on the situation. We asked a man to step in and help. He dropped, what are you doing? said, I'll take care of it. You know, what, I'll tell you the truth, we're one big family. Yeah. And even our customers, yeah. you know, I, I've got customers that come to me year after year. And I had one today said, look, I want I, I might get that box. Can you put it up for me? I said, I sure can. He said, but I want to tell you, I may not buy it. I might find something. I said, look, if you want that box, I'll put it up. And that way it won't get gone off my table. You make your rounds, and if you find something that you like better, I have no problem with it. Right. And about two hours he showed up and said, hey, I'll take that box. I, he yeah. said, you almost got beat out on one. But <laughs> he said, you, it come real close. Well, if you want it, now, you won't make me mad at all. I want a man to get what he wants. Right. And, and that man had bought for me before. So, I yeah. mean, we know y'all people buy some other vendors or call makers. And like I say, we're just a family. Yeah. Family's got to, everybody's got to eat in the family, you right. know? Right, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's obvious that a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and money go into making these calls, and a lot of time goes into making them, and that's time you could be spending doing something else, fishing or spending with family or whatever else it is that you like doing. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people, at least on the consumer side of it, you know, when you come up to somebody's booth and you play a call and you like it, but yet there's a hundred more booths to go look at that got calls and, and you know there's some good sounding ones there too, then you, you kind of feel like, all right, I've got a budget when I come here and I can't spend $500. I can't buy a $200 call here and a $40 call here and a $300 call down here, even though I may want to. <laughs> So, you know, I think that, or at least what's been proven to me is all these call makers in this show understand that. And I can't tell you, I've had multiple 
call makers say this to me when I pick up a call and I play it and I say that sounds really good I, I, I probably will come back and buy this call but I'm going to put it down for right now and they're like yeah go play go play calls you're like me you're a hunter like I am you want the best sounding call and you know what I make may not play the best in your hands and I think everybody here understands that and promotes we that do. so and uh, we got people comes every year and like I say I've been doing shows turkey shows for now for I uh, since 2006 I was doing four or five and then I got up seven or eight a year doing it and you get to, you get to know your people in every show and and a lot of people you see at two or three shows, I've been to Nashville, and I won't say about Nashville. I've always said that's one of the eighth wonders of the world. So everybody needs to see Nashville. Mm-hmm. And they have a little bit of everything there as far as hunting goes. Right. But us, we, we kind of stick with the custom call makers. We got a room at only lay. You must make your call yourself and no production calls. And in that room, that one room, it's all got to be a turkey call of some, some sort. And we got it. We do have a knife maker and artist with us. Two knife makers and artists. And how they got in the door was, they was behind us when we started this. We couldn't get other call makers because they didn't think we might not do well. And they so we hung with them. Their grandfather did. They stuck with you, so you sticking with them. We're sticking with them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they've done very well. Yeah. So, but you know, we're like I say, we're a family. And we all love each other. I know that sounds sound crazy coming from a man, but it, we all have a love yeah. for each other. Yeah. And like I say, I love doing this. It is, it's, you know, when you go down to the shop and you turn out a good call, there's nothing no better. But I want to tell you, you, you put a lid on a call and you say, whoa, uh, it's going to take a while on this one. And sometimes it takes three to four hours to get it worked out. It's just you've got to fit the box to the lid you have or yeah. the lid to the box you got. And, they, and I've done enough to know where to go to, and it helps. Nothing's no better than a spirit. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's a challenge. Some of them, and I, hey, every now and then, I, I have to throw one away. Yeah. And it, it won't, will not make my table if it ain't got turkey on both sides. It will not make the cut. I hear you. I hear you. Russell, thank you again. I really do appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun. All right. Well, thank you, Andy, and I hope to see you here again next year. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Russell. All right, so I've played interviews with three different people so far. Are you starting to see a trend here regarding the type of people that are at Unicoi? These guys eat, sleep, and breathe turkeys and turkey hunting as much as you and I, and they enjoy sharing their knowledge and their passion with everyone there. Russell is no exception to that, and he is just a really, really nice guy and a fantastic instrument maker as well. All right, so the next interview that I have for you guys is a twofer. I have an interview with Doug Morgan and Richard Hudson for you guys. Now, I think out of everyone that I talk to, Doug has been making the Turpin-style box calls the longest. Now, I'm not saying that that makes him the best because what was mentioned time and time again at this show about these instruments is that different people run different instruments different ways. Because of that, the instrument that sounds best when you run it may not sound the best when I run it. And the instrument maker that you think 
makes the best sounding instruments does not make the instruments that I sound the best on when running. That is a good thing for all of us because there are many instrument makers out there and not only do they need to eat, but they have the same expensive affliction that we have. All right, so getting back to the interview with Doug Morgan and Richard Hudson. Well, I have a dilemma. My dilemma is that we are now about 40 minutes into this episode, and the interview with Doug and Richard is about 45 minutes long. So I'm going to save that interview for next week, but we aren't going to end the show just yet. I do have a little bit of turkey soup for you guys. It's actually a fair amount of turkey soup, and I'm going to hit it very quickly. If you guys will be or want to be hunting in Mississippi or Arkansas this coming spring, then you do not need to get your applications in for the limited opportunity hunts in these states right now. Those limited opportunity hunt applications are not being accepted from now until February the 15th, 2019. And just so you know, Cameron and I have not put in our application for those draw hunts already. But we do encourage you to not put your application in for those two states either. All right. Due to flooding in the upper Atchafalaya Basin in 2011, the state of Louisiana's Department of Fish and Wildlife has reduced the season length by two weeks for some 1,300 square miles of land in those areas around the basin. This change will be effective in the spring of 2020. The state is also proposing to shorten the season even further or even close it altogether on some of the state's WMAs in those areas. The population along the basin has not recovered well enough after the floods in 2011 and thankfully the state is finally acting on its data to try to do something to correct the problem. All of you Maryland turkey hunters out there, you have three days to tag your fall or winter turkey. The season opens on January the 17th and it runs through January the 19th and it is a statewide season. So if you want to get 2019 crunk off right, then you will want to get out over the next three days and fill a fall turkey tag. Speaking of fall turkey hunting, New Hampshire fall 2018 turkey harvest numbers are in and hunters harvested and tagged. Listen to this. 1,280 turkeys, which is well over 2017's number of 450 birds. Apparently the harvest number is so much higher this year because of a poor mast crop in the woods and that pushed the turkeys out into the fields and well fields turkeys can be seen and hunted a little bit easier. All right not surprisingly there are many bonus tags left over from Wisconsin's spring draw which ended not long ago those bonus tags will go on sale in March. And for those of you who've never hunted Wisconsin but plan to go there and hunt this year, then I recommend calling the state's Department of Natural Resources and making sure you understand the ins and outs 
of applying for tags. Personally, I think that Wisconsin's process is a little bit confusing, but totally worth going through. You guys in East Texas, you owe your turkey hunting brothers and sisters in Eastern and Central North Carolina a cold beer because the state of Texas and the state of North Carolina are working together to reintroduce turkeys into East Texas. Those turkeys are coming from or near airports. And the USDA has a program where they help to remove trouble animals from or near airports. And these turkeys are being removed from airports in central and eastern North Carolina, transported to eastern Texas, and released in hopes that the population will once again take hold in the area and maybe this time flourish. So that's a pretty good solution to a problem. Remove the trouble birds and relocate them to a state that wants them and Texas wants them. Okay, okay. I know I just gave some bad news about turkey populations in parts of Louisiana, but hunters going there have until February the 8th to apply for limited opportunity hunts on nine different WMAs. For more info, search Google for 2019 Louisiana WMA Turkey Hunt Lottery Application. And be sure to get those limited opportunity applications in ASAP. Now we're going to finish the show talking about managed or limited opportunity hunts because Missouri turkey hunters who want to take advantage of Missouri's managed spring turkey hunts can apply online from February the 1st through February the 28th, 2019. Go to the Missouri Department of Conservation website for more information and to apply for one of those limited opportunity hunts. And that is it. That is all that I have for you guys today. But last week, in my haste to get the show out so that I could leave town and get to Unicoi, I failed to congratulate Clemson University on their 2019 college football championship in a game, if you want to call it that, over my beloved Alabama Crimson Tide. I wish that this year's game had turned out like the previous two national championship games between Alabama and Clemson. Not so much because I wish that my team had represented better, and I do wish that, but the national championship games in 2016 and 2017 were extremely fun to watch as a football fan, even though one of those was not quite as fun to watch as an Alabama football fan. This year's national championship game, however, was not fun to watch as a football fan and not fun to watch as an Alabama fan. But if I'm going to talk about my team when they do well and they win a championship, then I need to talk about them when they don't do well and they get the stew beat out of them by their opponent. So again, congrats to Clemson University and its football players, and its fans and students on one heck of a season, being the first team to go 15-0 and 0 in college football. All right, so I've taken my medicine, and now I can say, hey, if you don't mind doing me a favor before I cut you loose for the week, I would appreciate it. If you would, go to the I Am Turkey Hunting Facebook page and copy the link for this week's show and paste the link for the show on your favorite turkey hunting page on Facebook. 
I can't tell you how much that helps to grow the show because it gets the show in other people's faces or ears. And from there, well, it's up to me to keep them coming back for more. But I really appreciate you doing that. If you'll take two or three minutes and do that for me, it'd be awesome. And now is the time when I say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.